0: Kevin, how you been? I'm
1: good. How are you, sir?
0: I, I'm doing well. Uh, you know, All things considered, as I said to you before we got in the air, it's uh, it's pleasant out in Fargo on February 7th. So what more can you ask for? It feels like March, and we'll take that.
1: I love it. I love it. Same here in Minnesota. We're getting a fair bit of melt and a lot of sun.
0: Yeah. Well, I should clarify, I do live in Minnesota. It's, it's a nice thing. <laughs> I always like to tease my no-duck friends. But uh, it seems weird. I said February 7th. Uh, the NFL, I mean, we got the Super Bowl coming up in the middle of February. I'm all for it by the way. I I, I do like uh, the closer we can get to March uh, having games cuz like this past weekend I just it, not meaningful football and we won't have meaningful football until August. I I enjoy cutting into February as much as we can with a Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, the closer you can get to the ne- start of the next season the better. Uh you know, and I I'm old. I grew up in uh, almost always the week between the um the uh Super Bowl and the championship games, the pro was the Pro Bowl. And so there was at least you had that. Um, and sometimes they would have it the week after the Super Bowl. So then you could, you could have a, a downer, a uh, little bit of a downer, but still come down slow after the Super Bowl with the Pro Bowl the following week. So it will definitely be even though it's in the middle of February, it'll definitely be a hard stop here on football for a long time, at least NFL football, I guess we have the XFL and the USFL now in the spring,
0: but not quite the same. No, and you covered the XFL a little bit, I know. I'm a little surprised. I saw the promos for the – it's coming up on the 18th. I've written some blogs about this too. Aren't you a little bit surprised that they won't start – I would even start the league like this Saturday before the NFC and AFC Championship games and then have this past weekend all to myself for us who are jonesing for football.
1: Yeah, and I think they – when you go back to the that 2020 version of the XFL, where Vince McMahon was still the owner, they spent a lot of money on market research. And what they found, um, whether it makes sense or not, I guess, what they found was that uh, they thought they could capture the most audience from people who were coming down from the Super Bowl and didn't want football to be over yet and hadn't yet moved on to pitchers and catchers and Weren't and it was still way too far away from the NBA playoffs, and baseball started the regular season is a dis- in a, the distant future. So they actually thought the weekend after the Super Bowl would be the part to capture the people who had not yet sort of put football aside. And I think it was working okay. Um, that year before it got uh, shuttered due to COVID and we'll see how they do with a full season this year. And then it'll roll right into US fell season. So it'll be, it's weird to have this conversation because even though the NFL will be going um, away, you know, mid, mid February, there really will be pro football on TV, but from the following weekend through the end of the summer, pretty much when you count the USFL as well.
0: Yeah, well, it's interesting. I just I think sometimes what happens is once you get into March Madness and people are filling out their brackets, and as you said, then baseball gets good. And I look at Big Ten country. The reason it's the most profitable conference is because we're shuttered in so much. So we get the spring fever. The last thing we want to do is sit around and watch football for three hours. You know what I'm getting at? So I just kind of wonder – yeah. It, you know, the earlier they start if it's not a little bit better. But I didn't call you about the XFL, but I, I just I find that interesting <laughs> for many of us who for are sure. Jonesing for football. I've I've talked about this for years. I think they should try to start it almost well, just you know, because college basketball doesn't mean as much as the regular season either. And that used no, to actually suffice. Nah. Um uh Kevin Seaford again, ESPN.com. So Brian Flores, he's the guy I think for a lot of people, you know, one thing about his time in with Miami and I think it was a little carryover to this new staff down in Miami too, is they had solid defense down there. And I think if you're gonna look at the glasses half full there, I think that is the good part about him being named the new defensive coordinator.
1: Yeah, he, um I mean he has a track record. You know, he was I don't think he was the defense coordinator in name in New England, but he certainly was filling a good portion of that role for Bill Belichick for a long time, uh to a high degree of success before he became the Dolphins head coach and when he was the Dolphins head coach and had the chance to you know, fully implement exactly what he wanted to do based on his personnel evaluation. Uh, they, you know, took a year or so to get rolling, but they were very good in his follow. You know, his second, third seasons on defense and very aggressive. Uh, one of the top blitz rates in the NFL over that period. One of the top man-to-man, the highest man-to-man um, coverage rates in the NFL over that period. So, if he were to stick to that philosophy in Minnesota, it would be a significant change in the approach and style of defense than from what we saw last year.
0: And I think that was probably the biggest criticism of Donatel, right? It's just it, it seemed like it was so soft and the underbelly and then maybe try to make a play in the red zone, which they did a few times in those 11 close victories. They were able to make an interception at key time, but, man, that's a that's a lot of bending, not breaking.
1: Yeah, they, it seemed like their approach was to prevent you know more – more than anything else, prevent the big play, the 70-yard touchdown pass over the top, um, and to hope that they could get a good enough pass rush from their front four to allow the remaining seven defenders to sort of be back in coverage and for those guys to be in a shell that um, will allow them to run to the ball and, and, and again, prevent big plays. But if that front four doesn't get home and no front four gets home all the time, then that leaves a lot of time for uh, receivers to find holes in that zone. And that's what you saw more often than not. And then sometimes they ran out of space, you know, towards that red zone and the, and the defenders didn't have to cover as much space. So they were able to make more plays. And we saw that, but in the end it was their downfall their undoing in the playoffs. We all saw what happened when the giants just marched down the field on their opening possession, big chunks of yards. And it basically continued through the rest of the game. And so, um, And, you know, the the most notable point is that about two-thirds of the way through the season, Kevin O'Connell started speaking publicly, you know, very clearly about changes that need to be made and the type of changes that he wanted to see happen. And we saw some bits and pieces of adjustment from Donatel, but nothing close to what they needed. And so it was as if he was unable to get Donatel to do um, something different. And so, he ended up having to, to let him go, and they're gonna make another uh, run at it with a different coordinator.
0: Kevin Seifert with us, longtime Viking beat writer with espn.com. And of course, the next question comes down okay, do they have the personnel? Because I like to follow the little thing, you know, as far as the cap and what the dead money is if you cut or trade a player before June 1st and uh, after June 1st and all that. I mean, do they have the pieces to do this? I mean, it is seen in you know, I guess Booth Jr. going to come back and be healthy and help out right away. I mean, I think that's the question mark right now is that they, do they have the defensive players that won't be cut to help out this squad coming up in 2023?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, and the first thing they had to do was lock in the coordinator so they would know exactly, um, you know, the type of defense that he wants to, he prefers to to run and what he, and also what his opinion is on what they can run based on the likely personnel. So, you know, I wrote a story uh, last week noting that you really, you look at the 11 guys that were their primary starters by the end of last season, you can only really say two or three of them should be penciled in for a variety of reasons uh, into the starting lineup next year. So potentially Brian Flores has a chance to turn over a good portion of his lineup um, uh, based on what he would like to do and maybe bring in players that are, more closely aligned to, to the strengths that he that he of the scheme that he wants to run, um, and so I, I think that's but that's an added complication. I mean, it's not only are you bringing in a new coordinator, but you have a personnel situation that is very much unsettled. A lot of the better players they had last year are getting older and have high cap numbers and. Uh, hard to project um, future performance from the, from those types of individuals. And so we'll see which ones he wants to keep and which ones they can keep. But I think in addition to scheme and obviously the coordinator, I think the, the players themselves, the lineup that you see in week one, this season could be significantly different than the one that ended last season.
0: Let's uh, kind of wrap this thing up talking about, you know, who's staying, who's going. Cause when you look at people ask me all the time, do you think so-and-so is going to get traded or cut or whatever? And I, you know, I think obviously, uh, Zadarius Smith. Just with the money they could save, even with a little bit of dead cap money, would make sense. You know, the, I guess Eric Kenricks Kendrick, is a question mark. Daniel Hunter be awfully tough, tough to move with the uh, dead money that he brings to the table, and that's really what it comes down to more than anything, right? I mean, it's it's hard to move or cut any of these guys because it's going to cost you a lot in the end.
1: Um, in some cases, you know, they'll be dead money, but you might still save against the cap compared to what you would have kept him at, uh, you know, what, if you had kept him, what he would have counted. So sometimes even though there's dead money involved, um, there's still savings, if that makes sense. Yep. And so, uh, they, they'll, they'll take that into account as well. Um, they'll take into account, you know, especially I think like Daniel Hunter is one of the more interesting examples. You know, he, if they're going to keep running a, a scheme, and I don't know if you even want to call it a three, four because they were in their nickel so much last year, but, a scheme that's asking him to be standing up as much as it did last year. You know, you have to wonder if he thinks that's the scheme that he wants to run. I think he was a lot better in the second half of the season last year, but you got to take all that into account. And so, um, you know, th- there, there will be salary capital implications whether they keep people. Um, you know, some people would say it's worse to keep someone who you don't project um, to have, a you know, the kind of season you want them to have just because you don't want to have the dead money. Uh, That would result if you moved on and so um, they have a lot of decisions coming up and they're not easy decisions they're not too many obvious decisions uh, but they're going to have to make a lot of them and uh, when the defense has the results that it had last year so consistently and uh, and the lineup is filled with guys that are older and higher paid um, you know I think we just all have to realize the reality of what that usually means and and we'll see and really it just depends on the extent to which they decide to overhaul it. It will just be a couple guys that move on or will they really kind of bite the bullet and say this is the year they're just gonna, you know, go for broke and just have an entirely new defensive lineup or almost entirely new.
0: Well I guess, you know, two fan favorites on one side of the ball and then of course one on the other side of the ball with a guy who's from not too far from where I'm broadcasting right now. I mean, I guess Harrison Smith and Adam Thielen, you know, it's going to be much more affordable for them if they can restructure them more than take some dead cap hit with those two guys. Is that possible? Because they did it again last year.
1: I think it's possible. I mean, you can look back to how they kind of went about it with Chad Greenway towards the end of his career. Um, And in Chad's case, I think part of it was that he really wanted to keep playing in Minnesota and didn't want to go start over that late in his career, which is totally understandable. And so we'll see if, if that comes up, you know, you look at the money especially in terms of Adam Thielen. um you know very as you mentioned very much a fan favorite and local uh hero um but you wonder if they can really move forward at the numbers that his contract calls him for and maybe they do get are able to restructure it in a way that it works for everybody and um you know he, i think if you look at the end of the by the end of the season last year even though he was re- playing on every play in terms of targets and all that he was kind of their fourth or fifth option after uh, Jefferson and Osborne and, and T.J. Hawkinson, and so just um, so something to have to keep in mind. I mean, all good things eventually come to an end, whether it's going to be this year or next year or the year afterward. Those guys, we'll see, but certainly arguments can be made for both sides uh, for something to happen now.
0: But isn't a thirteen point five dead cat money hit if they and only savings a six if they cut them before June first? I mean, that's that seems like a lot for six million dollars of savings. You know what I'm getting at? That uh, ouch.
1: Yeah, I mean there's also cash consideration. I mean, do you going to pay pay him the cash that uh to be to perform at that level as well. And so again, yeah, you don't want to you don't want to have a lot of dead money, but uh that's that's a situation where you're still saving some. And so it's not uncommon for teams to do that, especially um as they look ahead to the new the TV deals start kicking in and the cap keeps rising considerably, it rose considerably this year. And so um all part of the calculus, you know, and all part of something I'm sure they planned when they originally did the contracts to say, you know, this is something that we might have to consider in a couple of years.
0: And final thing for you, how do you see this game coming up on Sunday?
1: Really hard to pick against the Eagles. I know no one, (laughs) that's where Vegas is and that's where all the betters are. And um, they just, they just look like such a dominant team on both sides of the ball. And especially, you know, there was so much Jalen Hurts talk, but so much, um, uh, you know, their defensive front is just really, really, um, good and you look at when the Chiefs lost uh the Super Bowl a couple of years ago in Tampa they that's where they really got it got beat was in the trenches and, and Patrick Mahomes spent most of the game running for his life and it's not
0: entirely impossible to project a, a similar situation happening this year yeah it could be very similar that's very true although it's funny I mean we talked so much about Hurts and and uh obviously Mahomes but These two defenses are pretty underrated. You know, Jones for Kansas City, (laughs) they do wreak a lot of havoc on both sides of the ball. Yeah, he's
1: a a game wrecker especially, and um, the Eagles very much will have to account for him. They have a pretty good offensive line. And, and, you know, maybe the the one sort of, um, you know, to me, under-discussed point is that Jalen Hurts, you know, had a pretty significant shoulder injury. We don't know the exact details of it, but it happened sort of late in the season he missed a couple games and during the um the bye week after the season before the the you know when they got the first round bye of the playoffs he was talking about how he was so glad that they weren't playing that week because who knows what he would be able to do and so he has um they did win these past two games pretty relatively easily and have not really been challenged but um that's one thing to keep in mind is the quarterback's uh, throwing shoulder not being 100% is always something to, to remember if they get into a close game or if he's getting a heavy rush himself, um, how that could affect his performance.
0: You bet. Well, it should be a fun one on Sunday. Hey, thanks so much. I'm sure we'll talk to you before the draft about, uh, well, moves will be made, and obviously we'll get ready here in April for – we get to look forward to if you're on the clock. <laughs> it's always a good time of year, that is for sure. And hopefully it's not snowing at that time. Get all this out of there. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, Kevin, thanks so much for your time as always. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay, sounds good. Thank you.